there has to be some reporting in every review. I mean, first of all, you have to play fair with your reader. Here's what I think a movie review should do. The first thing it should do, it should give some notion to the reader of what the movie is about and what it is like. If you play fair with your reader, you can give a movie a bad review and they'll still be able to read that review and know that they would like to go see that movie. You shouldn't just, you know, blast it in such a way that the reader would think no reasonable person would ever want to go to this film. You have to give the movie its day in court, too. There has to be something in there that conveys what the experience is like. Then, secondly, there should be a first-person tone. Now, one thing that people forget is that of the average readers of a newspaper, probably less than 1% or 2% will ever go to see any of the movies that you review. And this could go on with books, concerts, theater, and so forth. So the second thing you have to do is make it entertaining to read for somebody who is only going to read it. You know, like every Sunday I read all the book review sections, but I don't read all the books. I want to know a little bit about what's going on so that the piece has to be entertaining. Anybody who has 50 cents to buy the paper uh, should be able to open up to the movie review, uh, read a thousand words, and enjoy themselves, whether or not they're going to go to the movie. Hello everyone, this is Seeds and Shake, the bonus episode between our main episodes of the Get High Tyrion collection. I am your host Tommy, and uh, if you are listening to this, this will be the first episode that we're placing behind a Patreon paywall, so you know, you might have kicked us a few bucks on the Patreon, but I will also be releasing these after every... Um, after a month after they've been released, I will like uh, unlock the episode and I will put it up into the main RSS feed. I know I just like feel it's fair and I think it's just the best way that all these episodes get listened to. This is kind of like uh, kind of like an early release scheme. And plus we be, might be talking about like the film that's upcoming. You might be talking about episodes, things that just gone. So it'd be nice to like for you to listen to them afterwards. But, uh, you know, either way, it's uh, fine with... Uh, me now um at the uh, very beginning we played a clip from roger ebert esteemed film critic and he talks about how when he's reviewing a film even if it's bad the review should do two things one is to be entertaining for people to read like the, the review should in itself be like a an experience and a piece of entertainment, even for people who might not even see the film. That's like a a very common attitude towards reviews, I think. And I think a lot of people like really focus on the try and make entertaining part. But um, the second thing I found interesting is the idea that you should let people know what the film, what the experience of seeing a film is like before um, even if you're trashing it like just let people know what they're going to be in for and even if the reviewer doesn't like it maybe the person who is uh, listening might find something that they like and I found that uh, quite interesting because this podcast was invented to review what are mainly considered extremely mediocre films. Like, we always read the Rotten Tomato score, and a lot of these reviews, are, you know, they're like... They're in the toilet. These are, like, 
films that have horrible reviews and critics don't like it. Sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it isn't. And I think I just want to explain like the maybe a bit of the get Hyterion collection approach because the essential idea is that we try and overanalyze and like try and find like a kind of like a maybe possible like academic pseudo-academic intellectual theory or like a secret hidden meaning of the film I think uh, a review of Ripped was a good example of that when I managed to twist and turn and make it out to be a prison abolition film which I think was one of my uh, more fun theories that I've pitched for a film but uh, we also, um, these films, like a lot of them, terrible reviews, Rotten Tomato score, like, in the toilet, rare for us to look at a film that's above 50%, but some of them have really captured uh, the popular imagination, formed like a cult followings, strong pop culture imprints. I believe, think a film like How High is uh, one of them. Half-Baked is uh, one of them. The, some uh, are exceptional and can really succeed, like I think Friday and Harold Kumar are on the other end of like the critical like uh, acclaim, but we, we want to try and like find out why like some of these films like it, stoner comedy is a very kind of like vibes based uh, in some cases sometimes it's it's just movies for people to like hang out sometimes it's just popping out joke after joke I think um, Eloise uh, my the co-host uh, my spouse came and uh, watched Ripped with me and kind of like uh, uncovered that it's kind of like a, a passable ro romantic comedy. And if you've seen like a lot of romantic comedies, it's uh, a lot of it's carried by like certain elements, like the charm, a sort of like familiarity of like story and stuff. And... Um, but that's like something like when I like was rewatching it, I forgot like I kind of just saw it purely as like a stoner film, and it's just kind of like found it very bland. Uh, Elle approached it as a romantic comedy and found it a bit more interesting. You know, I still say Ripped is essentially just about like two guys trying to open a business and do all their paperwork and stuff. It's uh, kind of strange. Um, Another thing, well, so that's something that we uh, were able to uncover by overanalyzing these films. And um, some say that, like, overanalyzing something ruins it. But I, I think, like, uh, I think if you're not, like, too negative, I think too many people want to entertain the audience by being negative, which is fun. It can be, like, good. But sometimes 
it can be like quite difficult. I think like when people do like a negative comedy reviews about comedies, it's really like an uphill battle to even want to try and pull off. You have to consider that you're sitting there and you're just explaining jokes and then you explaining why a joke is funny is always kind of like not entertaining unless you're like really like expert level comedian or something but even then and then like explaining why a joke isn't funny unless it's got like some kind of like grotesque aspect to it is also I feel like kind of a failure and so I think that's why when I approach these films I I kind of like it's weird because I'm kind of overanalyzing but also I have to kind of like leave part of my like uh, analysis like at the door like I have to like accept things as they are I have to accept that you know okay Harold and Kumar a great film has uh, like five minute long scene just about like a competitive shitting you have to think about the fact that um, a lot of like this humor is kind of like crass because of the audience that it's aimed at some of these are vanity projects and just entirely revolve around the personalities of the people involved And um, so, you know, I feel like there's kind of like two levels I end up having to like uh, get out, I have to like overanalyze it and then also accept it for what it is. Like some of these like, uh, I'm going to like see how this like uh, theory takes me because um Next month, we will be looking at, like, a classic. It's, it's like the, almost like the art film of stoner comedy films. And that is The Big Lebowski by the Coen brothers. And I sort of find it weird. All these, like, stoner movies that we review, we've got, like, Pineapple Express, that's a... Uh, stoner comedy plus action movie we have um stoner comedies mixed with romantic comedies we've got stoner comedies mixed with uh college frat boy films you got stoner comedies plus sci-fi well this broadly it's supposed to be a stoner comedy in addition to being a noir film it's heavily based off uh, those uh, pulp noir novels uh, the Chandler books but it's also it's, it's kind of like artsy almost like you know I don't want to say real film but what like the movie critical establishment would consider a real film in the same way that like uh they kind of look down at stoner comedy for like a long period of time 
uh, they also like looked at, down at uh, superhero movies for a long period of time till that was all that got made and then they had to like adapt their like uh, recalibrate their critical eye a little so yeah I'm going to be uh, looking at The Big Lebowski I'll be looking at that with L, who has uh, never seen it so that should be interesting like because it has a you know many like twists and turns if you've not seen Big Lebowski I, I do suggest you check it out I'll try and come up with some kind of like grand theory of it but I think like it may like this episode may be like something completely different we won't uh have the usual approach to things I do uh enjoy like a stoner comedies a lot because they're all like uh based within counterculture even if it's a particularly like crass arm of it you know it's movies about people anti-heroes like at the very like basic level they're always usually breaking the law in some way like you couldn't get away with that like back in like um the Hayes code or when uh Reefer Madness came out. In fact, the uh, Reefer Madness, despite its moralizing, somehow skirts the Hayes Code because it has one of the characters get away with doing a hit and run. I guess because of the larger like preachiness, <laughs> it manages to get away with it. And that's like the reason I wanted to have that approach between like the two. Um, ends of the drug war because the the weed film is essentially counterculture because of a because it's illegal and um when ripped came out it became legal and it's kind of like you kind of a bit scarce with the uh stoner comedy films nowadays well i say that there is a whole universe of like if you go on Amazon Prime, there are lots of like stoner <laughs> comedies that are coming out. And in other countries, they're making like a stoner comedy film, some of them for the first time, like when we looked at uh, Simba, which was a, a Tamil Hollywood uh, stoner film, which I'm still not quite sure we fully got to grips with. So, um, Ripped. I actually like do want to get back to Ripped because uh, there's a main thing I want to talk about because, like I said, it's made at the end of the uh, so kind of the end of the drug war when um, weed was legal in California and it has this Rip Van Winkle narrative where they go to sleep in the uh, height of like a Reagan struck war and this is like stuff like uh, brought in like stuff like militarized police it brought in like um, wars in like uh, in foreign countries and toppling over different governments and like the Iran country scandal and all of this like a uh, wild stuff and then they wake up in 2016 
the end of Obama's uh, govern the end of Obama's presidency, and it's uh, like the Rip Van Winkle narrative. This kind of like optimism, and I, well, like they do wake up in California when weed is legal. It's kind of weird to have uh, that kind of optimism for the Obama era at that time. Because, like, obviously, immediately after Obama came Donald Trump, who I believe uh, put someone into uh, his cabinet who was really intent on rolling back any of the progressive gains that were made towards legalization and restarting the uh, drug war. I'm trying to remember uh, this person's name. Uh, But um, actually unsuccessful uh, which I was like quite surprised because like they couldn't really do anything on a uh, didn't really want to do anything on a federal level oh Jeff Sessions yeah he um, was like pretty like determined to like um, roll back everything done on weed but he was um I don't think he lasted long in uh, the office. I'm trying to, like, think of when he ended up leaving in the end. He was there from... Yeah. Let me see. Okay, yeah. Just till from 2017 to 2018... Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, and uh, he, uh, I know, he had, like, massive, like, uh, (laughs) fight-ups, bust-ups with Trump, and he ended up never really, like, following through with anything. Like, technically, like, uh, federal prosecutors were allowed to bring charges against states with legalized marijuana use, but I don't think it really happened. Regardless, it kind of like puts like a big like a uh, scupper on the optimism that you get in in Ripped. Especially like they do make a big point about the Barack Obama thing. Like in 2016, that was like for the character's perspective, it's like a uh, a big deal. But like in the huge like overall like narrative of like a kind of optimism for them. Barack Obama optimism kind of like died out after his re-election, I think. Like, I think even 30 Rock had a joke about how uh, going to his inauguration, there's no way it could possibly be as like magical as the very first one. Like it had already been like dimmed and there's always like problems like losing the uh, house in the midterms and the tea, rise of the Tea Party and all of these huge problems, like, they just couldn't, like, uh, overcome. So some some places legalised weed, I guess. <laughs> that is, isn't nothing, but I don't think he really had that much of a big part of it. I remember he said, very early on disappointment from him, as he said he was going to stop the... Uh, federal like raiding of um 
pharmacies where weed was legal, but I think they kind of like continued on a level anyway. The uh, There's another film that kind of like approaches this like Obama level optimism, like Ripped. It's not a stoner film. It is The Dictator by Sasha Baron Cohen. Came out in uh, 2012, which is um, around, like uh, near the end of uh, Obama's first term, and it's kind of like heavily based around the uh, swell of optimism around the Arab Spring and the idea that uh, oh, like there are going to be no more dictators anymore. Gaddafi's gone. Kim Jong-il had died and all these other people had died and there's going to be this big swell of democracy all across the uh, Arab world and it just kind of didn't happen. Like, like a lot of these like uh, places did end up like a lot worse. I think Libya is one of them. It ended up having like a return to like a kind of Wahhabist extremism. They're like a... a open-air slave markets had returned and um yeah the difference between uh ripped and the dictator in this kind of approaching optimism obviously the idea there's going to be like no more like a authoritarian dictators got like a have to think about the fact that like also trump came along which to many Americans were really extreme, like, dismay, <laughs> especially as he then used his position to cozy up to a lot of, like, the new, like, uh, people coming in, like Kim Jong-un, sort of. I mean, they didn't quite get on, but, like, Viktor Orban of Hungary. It's, like, definitely one of them. And he co- cozied up to, like, a Saudi Arabia a lot, which America already did, but, yeah, the, the um, difference between the two films, Ripped and uh, The Dictator, is in The Dictator, it just stops itself. It just stops itself from uh, completely being swept away from this, like, groundswell of, like, a global optimism about the Arab Spring. And... Uh, because, like, uh, the peak of the film is he, uh, this character, uh, Admiral General Hafaz Aladdin, horrible dictator, is extremely worried that his country is about to have its uh, oil reserves privatized by America, which any country like really should have but then he does like a big speech about how like um democracy like against democracy let me see if i can uh, bring it up here why are you see why are you guys so anti-dictators imagine if america was a dictatorship you could let the one percent of the people have all the nation's wealth you could help your rich friends get richer by cutting their taxes and bailing them out when they gamble and lose you could ignore the needs of the poor for health care and education your media could appear free but would secretly 
be controlled by one person and his family. You could wire up phones. You could torture foreign prisoners. You could have rigged elections. You could lie about why you go to war. You could fully present with one particular racial group and no one would complain. You could use the media to scare the people into supporting policies that are against their interests. General Aladdin in The Dictator. And, uh, yeah. It was a weird bit of foresight to, like, say, like, you know, America despite all of this, like, uh, things happening around the world, America wasn't uh, really, like, a great moral authority on what is and isn't authoritarian. (laughs) And it was extremely, like, interesting to me because that people kind of, like, laughed that off, like... Not in the sense that it's, like, funny and ironic, but, like, this is during the Obama years, and they thought, well, yeah, like, America does all these bad things, but it's not, it's not, like, really horrible, like, all of those horrible foreign places. And then Trump came in, and those kind of, like, uh, liberal people then started panicking like hell, even though more or less the same things were, like, happening Already, as mentioned in this speech, which uh, from the film, which came out a good four years before, like, Trump. But yeah, then people started to, like, oh, okay, like, yeah. But then, like, the, then Biden came in and then they completely forgot all these lessons again. I think last time I checked, Biden is actually trying to, like, build uh, Trump's wall. He's trying to... Uh, make the space force he's still not like gonna do anything federal with the war on drugs so you know which ties into like uh the optimism of ripped <laughs> it's uh i think yeah i think those two films are kind of like linked to each other though the dictator has the excuse of coming out in the height of global social change Admittedly, one that kind of fizzled out, like, uh, I think if you look at Egypt and Libya, and um, they're particularly, like, worse off, or, or, like, not receiving, like, proper, like, democratic change. But um, it was still happening, and you couldn't really be that, like, to have that much foresight into it. Well, Ripped came out, and I know it was so... An optimism that really, really all but fizzled out. I think an interesting tone of Ripped is that they kind of act like racism is over. Like, um, when um, Faison Love's character accuses a landlord of being racist for uh, not letting them rent out the uh, property for their weed restaurant... Russell Peters' character, like, quickly, like, uh, brushes it away and says, no, that guy's not racist. Fires and loves us. Oh, but he's white. He's a landlord. But it gets brushed away. Like, I think it's kind of like in a post-racial idea of uh, America still, even though that really didn't, like, uh, work out. And, of course, like, the he then follows up with the reason that they didn't want us to lend, to rent out the property, is because of weed. 
because it was a uh, a weed-based restaurant. And while you, I guess it could be argued, that kind of brushes away the fact that America's uh, drug policy is heavily racialized. Like Nixon, like basically like a said out loud to his like administration that was just a good way for the republicans to like be able to like uh, beat up and arrest the black people and hippies who wouldn't have voted for them anyway and which their core base didn't like so um that's just another way that the optimism of ripped <laughs> comes a bit short um but you know you get to have like 98% THC edibles. So, you know, it's not all bad. Like, uh, we spoke to Graham, who was on the podcast. And he said that he's like uh, quite enjoying like living in a uh, area of uh, America where weed has become legal. And I'm still saying you should go ahead with it. And I think little by little, it's probably going to happen just because it's becoming a major... Um, A major like economic force but I you know you can get worried that it's kind of like not really thinking about the uh, social political aspect and just thinking of the economic aspect like they really need to like uh, you know wipe out people's criminal arrest records and stuff like that this has been a uh, more like a politics uh, heavy episode than I was like expecting to do especially uh I wish I guess I should like bring back to like my like uh, our philosophy for the Get High Tyrion collection we will like uh talk about like uh our political opinions and stuff I, I try not to like really overwhelm it but like if I can gleam out like some kind of like weird philosophy and I, I love coaxing stuff like that out of the thing, as I, as I did with Ripped. And the fact I was able to do that with a film that I honestly don't like too much, but I was able to find all of this great, like, ideas and stuff for myself. And that's the thing, like, it's fun to overanalyze something that isn't, like, um, is actually not too deep. If you are a uh, a parent, then you've probably like sat like watching your kids like a uh, TV shows, like just to like stop them like a uh, tampering with everything and killing themselves. So you have to be there. You have to be there while the TV is on, and yet people say that like a uh, Paw Patrol is a. Uh, propaganda i think a little secret if you watch enough kids tv programming it's it's all propaganda pretty much it's all like in some way trying to like a uh, dictate a way to like a uh, behave some of them like very sensible suggestions but still like is that it's like trying to like form your child's brain like your child's brain's not formed and need to figure things out but um, it's also very blunt and it's very, like, uh, mind-numbing for an adult brain. And you can just sit there and you come up with 
all kinds of like goofy theories about what's coming on, mainly to just entertain yourself. Um, I think Bing is something like that. It's a, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a kids TV show about a, uh, uh, naughty, uh, rabbit with black fur who, uh, lives in a world with these other, like, uh, Bing's a toddler, all, all these other animals are toddlers, but instead of parents, all of the, uh, all of the guardians are these kind of, like, small, like, soft-spoken stuffed toys, and they, uh, those are in place of the parents, and their relationship is not very clear, but I think they're just supposed to be, like, non-threatening authority f- figures. And any adult who watches this kind of like, if like kids can watch this stuff for hours at a time, every episode, and then do it the next day. I think a lot of adults kind of find this weird, like bleak thing in their back of their mind, just thinking, where are the grown-ups? Where did the grown-ups go? Where are the, <laughs> why are the stuffed toys running things? And I've seen every single possible theory, like a uh, pitch to try and explain it away. It's, uh, oh, they're, they're living in a simulation and the stuffed toys are just recordings. There has been an apocalypse. They've died and gone to hell. And it, it's just a way of the brain to try and entertain itself. And I think that's why people like find a review podcast entertaining because like, it kind of like, I think when you're like taking in something and it's not, uh, and it's meant to like uh, affect your brain a certain way, you can kind of like unlock other parts of your thinking, <laughs> trying to like make sense of it. I, d- I don't know if what I said just makes sense, but uh, this is all, I think the podcast is also kind of an exercise in trying to find out like, just to keep that part of my, like, brain active. Like, I mean, I wasn't, like, good at school or college or anything. Like, I did a a degree in English Lit, and I did um, terrible, because I'll be honest, I just don't like doing homework. And even then, even, like, I I love doing the podcast, and I love, like, creating, but I do just kind of get the, uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, this is kind of like just like me doing homework. So I have to kind of like push myself to get anything done. Um, but I do like activating that part of my brain that analyzes things. So it's kind of like a mix. Like it's like fun to come up with my uh, super theory of like the internet for uh, Bill and Ted and Wayne's World and hackers that they all represent early stages of like what the uh, internet would enable like regular people to do and um I think uh that kind of like I'm not sure I think this might have been another like very like a random like just going off in all kinds of directions I mean I was talking about Bing for a while horrible show main character is like so annoying but 
I'm just trying to like explain like why I wanted to make a movie review podcast in which is already super saturated. So I, which is why we focus on just stoner comedies. Most people only like looking at very briefly, and um, I wanted to uh, just trying to like. Uh, Try and like say why like it's, we try and like overanalyze. It's not just because we're a bunch of like a smart asses. It's kind of a joke that we're taking these like stupid films so seriously. But it's also kind of rewarding to like try and find out why something that is kind of like junk food can like nourish like some part of like. Uh, your brain and like just trying to like think about it and how it can make such like a big impact on you and like way past like what critics thought it could do. So I'm gonna leave the podcast here. Um, like I said, if you're listening to this uh, around the time it came out uh, on the 20th of August, we'll be looking at The Big Lebowski. Looking forward to that. You uh, remember it's uh, Patreon, which you should be listening to this on Patreon, T-H-E-G-H-C-P-O-D, the G-H-C pod. I worry that, like, because all the letters rhyme, that it's not too clear sometimes. Um, same rate, review, subscribe, or, like, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, musicstanfield.bandcamp.com. Uh, main theme song is always by JQ and um, see you in the next episode bye